If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In just a moment, I'm going to read verse 7 through 11. As we continue in a series called An Elevated Life through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we're getting close to being finished, getting close to the final few passages and few verses. And of course, we want you to know two weeks from today, uh, on the 27th of November, we will do the Sermon on the Mount from memory right here as part of our worship service. And so I hope you'll be back in two weeks to hear the entirety of it uh, from memory. As you're turning there, I want to tell you a little story that I heard several years ago that kind of sets the stage for what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, There was a little girl about four or five years of age who was interested in learning about prayer. She told her mother uh, that she would like to learn about prayer. And so for weeks, the mom, each night before the little girl went to bed, as part of the bedtime ritual, the tucking in and saying goodnight, the mama would kneel beside the bed of the little girl and pray. And the little girl would listen and the little girl would would pray along with her mom. But after a few weeks of that, actually about a month of that, each and every night, uh, one evening the little girl stopped her mama before she began praying and said, Mommy, tonight I want to pray. Of course, that made the mom's heart just burst with pride. She said, okay, baby, go ahead, you pray. And so the little girl closed her eyes and kind of folded her hands in the most pious way possible. And she began to pray. The mother kneeled right beside her. And the little girl just began talking about everything. She was talking about her day. She was talking about her friends in kindergarten. She was talking about her pets, her grandparents, friends. I mean, she was talking about the toys in her bedroom. She was just going on and on and on. And as she prayed the volume got lower and lower and lower. Started out pretty loud, but as she continued, she started getting more to a whisper. Such that by the end, I mean, she was just barely moving her lips and almost sounded like this. And her mama was peeking a, you know, a quick wink to kind of see what was going on. She couldn't really hear her anymore. And then just out of the blue, she said, Amen. And it kind of caught the mom, startled her, but apparently the prayer is over. And so she, she looked to her daughter and said, honey, I'm so glad you were praying. But at the end, I, I couldn't hear what you were saying. And the little girl said, well, mommy, I wasn't talking to you. I wasn't talking to you. This little girl taught her mother in that moment that she wasn't praying for mama's approval. She wasn't praying for mama's applause. She wasn't talking to mama at all. She was talking to God. Prayer is something that every single person in this room can do. Every child, every young person. Prayer is speaking. It's communing. It's communicating with our Father. 
You're not giving a speech. You're not putting together an essay. You're talking to God. You're communicating with God. And every single person can do it. We are invited as God's children, sons and daughters of God, to go to the Father in prayer. And we can lay before the Father the needs that we have on our lives. Some of those needs are going to be big. Some of those needs may be somewhat insignificant, at least to others. But to God, it's important. And it's what he wants to hear. We have been invited to go before the throne of grace, before the creator of the universe, with the things that are on our hearts, just like the little girl prayed for her pets and for her grandparents and for all the toys in her room, the invitation for all of us is to go to the Father in prayer over every detail of our life, whether big or small. And every person can pray. Every person can speak to the Father. You don't have to pass a class or get a certificate in order to pray. Oddly enough, they made me take a class in seminary called prayer. And I always wondered if I fail the prayer class, am I allowed to continue into ministry? Maybe if you fail prayer, maybe ministry isn't for you. I don't know. I got an A, by the way, just to make sure you wanted to know. Got to get an A in prayer class. You don't have to have a certificate. You don't have to have a license to pray. You can speak with God at any place. It's not a required location or a required place. You can pray to God in your home. You can pray to God in your car, in your workplace or in your school. You can be in the most beautiful place in the world and prayer come forth. Or you can be in the back of a police car in handcuffs and prayer can come forth. That's probably not a bad place to say a prayer. You can pray at any length of time. There's not a meter running that when you start praying, you get five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And when the meter expires, your prayer time is over. No, it's unlimited. You can pray for a split second or you can pray for hours upon hours. There is no limit to the amount of communing with God each of us have. You can pray to the Lord in the high moments of life. And in the lowest moments of life, you can pray to the Lord when your heart is so filled with joy and celebration and happiness, uh, such as a birth of a child or someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Or you see the work of God in, in a prayer request that over years you've been praying and finally it's answered. And there's joy that comes and excitement and enthusiasm and praise. You can pray then. And you can pray when you can't even utter the words because your heart is so heavy. Whereas the scripture refers to prayers like groans. And if you haven't been there, just wait, you will one day. The invitation to pray is so vast and the invitation is so wide. It's not limited to a person. It's not limited to a place. It's not limited to a time. It's not limited to only the joys of life, but also the sorrows of life. Throughout our walk with the Lord, we can go to the Father in prayer at any time, any place, with any need. And Jesus speaks often in the Sermon on the Mount about prayer. 
It, it weaves in and out of these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It weaves in and out through this sermon on the hillside. He told us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, to, to not be like the hypocrites when we pray, who stand on the street corners and in the synagogues with the hope that they can be heard by others for their fancy words or for their austere prayer. He says, don't be like them. He says later in that passage, and do not be like the Gentiles who think they will be heard because they heap up empty words or pray to be praised by others. He says, don't be like them. Instead, he recommends that when you pray, go to your father who in secret, who will hear your prayers in secret. It's not for the applause of men. It's not to be patted on the back. It's to go into a communing relationship with our father. And he says in Matthew 6, 8, and your father already knows what you need even before you ask. And then he gives a model prayer, Jesus's Lord's prayer, a prayer that many of us have memorized and sometimes quote, whether you're a sports team praying before a game or you're in a certain place of, of solemn focus that you announce or you use the Lord's prayer, our father. Who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have harmed us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That prayer, that model that Jesus gives announces the invitation to speak to the Father, our Father, your Father, my Father, who is in heaven. Glory, holy be your name. You're asking in that prayer for God's will to be done in your life, God's way to be made in your life as it is in heaven. And that he would Forgive our sins. Oh, friends, we can go to the Father and lay our failures before Him. And He can help us forgive those who have harmed us. And we certainly will ask Him to lead us not into failure and temptation, but lead us so that we can live a life for Him. That's the model of Jesus' prayer. But it also mentions, give us our daily bread. Interwoven is a need, is an ask, is a request to God. And in Matthew chapter 7, he picks up on that yet again. He picks up on the asking, the seeking, the knocking on the door of heaven for the things in our lives. And this morning, I want to just take those verses and unpack them a minute. And I just want to give you a heads up way in advance. The way this service is going to be concluded, the way this message is going to be ended, is in a time of prayer. And so you can be ready as we move toward that point. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Jesus speaks on the topic of prayer yet again when he says... Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? This morning, I want to frame the message in three words. Invitation, realization, and demonstration. Can you say that with me? Invitation, realization, demonstration. Jesus has a word to us in the topic of prayer about the invitation. And the invitation is to ask and to seek and to knock. To ask and to seek and to knock. Now verse 7 again says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. These three phrases, ask, seek, knock, are all imperative commands. And that simply means they're instructions or they're mandates. But the way you would interpret them rightly is not that they're a one-time asking or a one-time seeking or a one-time knocking. That's not the way that actually Jesus phrases it. Instead, it's an ongoing, a repeated, a frequent Asking, it's better interpreted, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That Jesus is saying that there is an invitation for all of us to regularly, consistently, frequently go to the Father with what's on our hearts and what's on our minds. That the invitation in prayer is a continual communion with God. Now the Verse 8 follows by saying, For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks, or better interpreted, everyone who keeps seeking finds. And the one who interpreted rightly keeps knocking, it will be opened. The imperative commands here are to keep going, keep making the request, keep making the ask, keep going to the Father. But there is a caution here. There's a wisdom that we need to recognize that Jesus is not instructing us to view God as some genie in the bottle. You remember the movie Aladdin? Whether the cartoon version or the Will Smith version. I'm not sure which version I liked better. I think I liked the cartoon better a little bit with Robin Williams as the genie. How many of you know the story of Aladdin where a genie's bottle is found and when you rub the side of the bottle, out comes the genie. And then how many wishes does the genie grant? Three wishes. And one of the rules is you can't ask for more wishes because, you know, that's a loophole in the system. Jesus is not referring to God the Father as a genie in the bottle and you get three wishes. You can ask, you can seek, and you can knock and God is then required to answer those three wishes. That's not how God works and that's certainly not what Jesus is explaining. 
God is not a Santa Claus in the sky that we can upload our wish list to him. And then if we are persistent enough and regular enough, eventually the answer is yes and in comes the, the reward at some future date. The invitation here is to actually be in communion with God the Father, to be in a relationship with God Almighty, to continually go to the Lord with the things that are on your heart, to ask over and over, to seek most certainly His will and to knock on the door of heaven as a means by which relationship with you and the Father unfolds. It's not a one time, it's an all the time. But the caution is also that this is not a name it, claim it scenario. And I want to be fair and be grace filled. There are certainly some teachers of the Bible who will look at these verses and say, if you name a 60 foot yacht, you can claim a 60 foot yacht. If you believe God for a private jet, you can receive a private jet. I don't know those Those teachers' hearts. I taught you last week, we can't know truly the hearts of anyone. And I can't say with 100% certainty that they are in or not in the faith. I gotta believe they're in the kingdom, but I do believe their teaching is false. If not outright heretical, it's really off-center. Because this instruction is not to just name stuff so that you can get stuff from God. It's not just to believe God so he can deliver the jet to you. Man, if that was the case, where's my boat? Where's my jet? It's not what the scripture and it's certainly not what Jesus is encouraging. But the truth behind these words is that there is a relationship with God that's invitational to all of us and that Jesus over and over again in the gospels encourages us to go to the Father with the things in our hearts that we need to ask the Lord. Here are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. He says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And so there's a faith building, a faith growing, a faith nurturing relationship that when we have things, we can go to the Father by faith. He says in John 14, verse 13, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Even in our asking God, Even in our requests before God, there is a glorying of him that God, when he answers and God, when he moves and God, whenever he receives those prayers and illuminates our life, there is a glory that goes before him because of what God has done in his son, Jesus. It's a relationship. Even he says in John 15, 7, Jesus's words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish And it will be done for you. Again, this is not a Christmas list that you just get what you're asking for. But it's an invitation as you abide with God, as you abide with Christ, as there is a dwelling relationship between God the Father and you through Jesus the Son, that there is an invitation to ask. There's an invitation to go to the Father with your needs. There's an invitation to seek Him out as the one who hears our prayers. At the end of the New Testament, 
1 John chapter 5, the apostle writes these words. In 1 John 5, starting in verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Listen to verse 14. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that we have, he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I mean, you have a confidence. I have a confidence. Because of our belief in the name of the Son of God, because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us through faith in Jesus, that we have a confidence that we can go to the Father, the Creator, the Almighty Sustainer of the universe. We can go to Him as a child and we have confidence that God hears our prayers. Friends, I don't know if you've ever had the situation in your life where you feel like you're praying, but no one's listening. I want to say to you today, unequivocally every prayer you've verbalized and every prayer you've expressed without words God the Father heard it he hears he hears every prayer when you go in a spirit of faith and abiding in Christ in the recognition that you're glorifying God with your life when you ask and when you seek and when you knock on the door of heaven it's not falling on deaf ears friends our father your father hears every prayer there's nothing there's nothing that is lost to our father what an encouragement you may feel like you have no one else on this earth by which to go to. But you can be assured you have a father who hears. Jesus wants us to know. And wants us to be fully aware that the invitation to ask and seek and knock is open. It's an invitation but it comes with a realization. And that realization is this, that God is an infinitely good father. That God is an infinitely good father. And, and friends, I just want to share something with you on my heart because I really feel like this is maybe from the Lord today. Some, some, some in this room haven't had the best relationship with an earthly dad. Some of you have wonderful dads or had wonderful dads and dad was your hero and your best friend and praise God for that. But there is also a group of you who had very difficult relationships with your earthly dad. Whether they weren't around, not known, struggled with this and with that. And there can be a, there can be an un- Fair and a harmful path where you take the feelings and the emotions and the regrets that you have with your earthly father and you translate those to your heavenly father because my earthly dad was bad, therefore my heavenly father must be the same. Friends, let me de 
Let me try to help you today as best I can. There is no comparison. There is no equation in any shape or any form where our infinitely good heavenly father is in any comparison, even to the best earthly dad. It's infinitely different because our earthly dads had the same problem and I am one. We have sin in our life. We fail. We mistake over and over. There's things that we can never keep fulfilled perfectly. But when you go to the heavenly father, when you go to the father that has granted us Jesus Christ, his son, you have an infinitely good father who loves you unconditionally, who will never fail you, who will never back away from you, whose goodness and justice and fairness and rightness and holiness is infinitely different than even the best dad you've ever had on this earth. Never compare them. Never equate them to be the same. Because our heavenly father is infinitely good. Infinitely good. And that's what Jesus is trying to help them see. He says in verse nine, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? I mean, I, I don't know this to be true perfectly, but I think Jesus is telling a bit of a joke here. Maybe like last week when Jesus was talking about the log in an eye and a speck. It kind of caught him on a light moment or a little sense of humor. I think here in this comparison of bread and stone, fish and snake, that Jesus is telling a little bit of a funny here. I mean, how many children come to their father, come to their parent and say, oh, I'm so hungry. I need a little something to eat and bread's available. And instead of handing them the bread or handing them a slice, they, they give them a nice solid rock. And this is, by the way, a real rock, not a fake rock. I learned when it fell off the table in the first service. This is a real rock. I mean, you get it. You wouldn't go, oh, you're hungry? Enjoy. Tear it up. Go for it. Nor would you say, oh, mom, dad, can I have some fish? And this is real fish from Alaska. I didn't catch it. I bought it, but I brought it home, okay? <laughs> can I have some fish? No, no, yeah, sure, sure you can have some fish. And instead, give a snake. And I told the worship team I was bringing a snake to church on Sunday. And there was a look of, well, we're not that kind of church, <laughs> Garrison. Watch out here. Valley Creek doesn't have no snake handling church. This is a green little plaid. I bought it at Walmart for a buck yesterday. It's okay. It's not real. But I did think it might be fun to kind of like throw it out and see, kind of catch the reaction because sometimes the service gets a little quiet. But no, y'all are doing all right. You know, you're, it's, 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 it's a joke. It's, it's to catch them in the comparison. I mean, all of us have, who have children had hungry kids. Any of y'all have any hungry kids? I, I remember... Our, our youngest, uh, he was here in the first service and he's now the biggest of the family. But when he was a little guy, like in a high chair in the kitchen, everybody in the family knew that when you walked past him, you had to put a token in the e-machine. His name is Ethan. And we would just have things out, little Cheerios, little puffcorns. And if you went by him, whether he wanted or not, you stuck food in his mouth. Because if you let the e-machine go too long without a token, the e-machine would erupt. 
and everybody's sad when the e-machine would get out of order. And so just while you walk by, whether he needed it, you just open it up and he'd go, open his big pie hole and shove in the token in the e-machine and you bought yourself five more minutes apiece. <laughs> but no one is gonna go past a child and if food is actually available, uh, no parent, no parent, is gonna hear from their child, I'm hungry, and food is readily available, and they're gonna give them a stone. No, they're a parent. They love that child. They love that, that one with all their heart. They're not gonna have fish available and, and joke with, with the snake. And what Jesus is wanting us to hear, brothers and sisters, is that in the comparison, God is infinitely good. Infinitely good. That we as human parents wouldn't give to a child who asked for bread a stone. We wouldn't give to a child who asked for fish a snake. Or as Luke chapter 12 mentions, we wouldn't give to a child who asked for an egg a scorpion. Instead, we're going to give good gifts to our children because that's the relationship of the parent to the child. And so Jesus then concludes in verse 11, if you then, who are evil, if you then, like me, have sin in your life or have failures in your life or have disappointments in your life, if you who are human know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give Give good gifts to those who ask him. God is infinitely good and he gives infinitely better than we would ever think or imagine. How much more? God who is perfect and just and holy and righteous. When he hears his children come to him with the needs they have in their life. It's not a stone. It's not a snake. It's good gifts. Because that's what a good God does. At James chapter 1, verse 17, an important verse we should all memorize and know by heart. Every good gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Friends, every gift, every blessing, every good thing in your life, whether you acknowledge that or not, whether you recognize it or not, everything that has been given to you has been given to you by the hand of God. He is a good father, a good, good father, and he has shown good gifts to his children. From the air in your lungs to the blood in your chest, to the food on your table, to the money in your checking account, to the people in your lives, to the joys, and even the hardships, even the suffering that you may have faced all comes from a good father who wants good things and gives good to his children. Our God is a good, good father. Amen? And so it's an invitation to ask and to seek and to knock. It's a realization that God is infinitely good and if you need help there is a demonstration of God's greatest act of giving if you say well God's never answered my prayers God's never given me what I wanted if you've ever felt as if God didn't hear or God didn't care or God hasn't shown you love 
then you need to look to the greatest example of God's giving ever. And you need to look only to the cross of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus is the good gift. It's the greatest gift that Jesus in his life laid down on the cross, crucified so that our sin could be nailed to him and his life of holiness could be applied to us. Jesus was the ultimate payment. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And he was the gift that God gave so that we wouldn't be banished to eternity in hell, but that we would have eternal life. Friends, if you need evidence of a good, good father, look only to Jesus Christ, his son, who died on your behalf so that you could live eternally with your father. That's the good news. It's the great news. And it was because of God's love for you and I that he was willing to give and see his only son crucified so that we might live with him. It's an invitation to ask, to seek and to knock. It's a realization that God is infinitely good. And there is certainly a demonstration of the greatest act of giving He says, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? I'm going to invite the praise team to join me here. And as I said earlier, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. I have some deacon brothers who have made themselves available just to actually pray with people today. There might be something that's on your heart, a need request, something that maybe is known by others or something you've not yet even spoken aloud. And you just want to lay that before the Father. The invitation is always to ask and to seek and to knock. If you want someone to pray with you, that is why the deacon brothers are here. Sometimes it's just good to have someone pray with you and join you in prayer and Walk alongside of you as you approach God's throne. If you want to pray alone, this altar is always open. Jesus was very clear. God's house is a house of prayer. Yes, certainly a house of preaching, a house of praise. But at its core, God's house, Jesus' house, is a house of prayer. And that the invitation is always to come. We're going to let a song be played, but it's truly more about a concert of prayer. If I could have my deacon brothers just to come and be available here on the front. And I want to ask you just to remain seated. But if you need someone to pray with you, or if you want to come to this altar and just spend time speaking to your Father, I'm going to invite you to do so during this song. Would you pray with me now as we enter into this time of prayer? So Lord, I just thank you for the invitation to come, the invitation to kneel before you, to lay our hearts before you, to lay our needs before you, knowing that when we come to you as a child, asking, seeking, knocking, we're not going to get a stone. We're not going to get a snake. But our good Father will hear our prayers and work in our lives. So God, in just this moment, I pray that you're spirit would move freely and that our hearts would be open and responsive to the call and invitation to pray unto you with all that is in our hearts. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.